Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We are back to meeting at the church this week, and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is welcoming us back with a message about harmony. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that more on our Brookwood Church app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. Welcome back to the Brookwood Church building. Boy, it's good to see you. You know, our church didn't cease functioning. We have been functioning throughout this separation, but today we are back together in in smaller names and many of you wearing masks. But we're here. And many more are online today and will continue as we transition slowly back to normality. Once we decided to return today, I thought and even prepared a message and an outline, I thought that I would reflect on what God had taught us, what we had learned during this time of quarantine. But with this senseless and tragic death of George Floyd and the resulting protest, some of which have descended into, into violence and vandalism, I think I must instead address how to restore harmony in our community, in our country, but we begin in our church. And this harmony flows from our church. You know, I think we agree there'd be few exceptions that fair, equal justice must be secured for George Floyd, for his family, but also for anyone, for everyone, without exception. During the period when I was practicing law, many courthouses had a lady justice statue in front. She had a sword, which meant execute justice. She had scales to weigh the merits of a case. But for me, the most striking characteristic of those statues, you know what it was? She was always blindfolded, which meant she justice rules without consideration of anyone's appearance or status, for that matter. Now, I have a request as I begin. Please listen and judge my words, if you will, by my intent. Judge me based on what you have known of me for 27 years as pastor here. Not by whether I use the exactly the same precise word or express the same feelings you would to describe this current state of affairs. I won't attempt to persuade you of my perception of the facts or to convince you of the correct solution or even 
what the appropriate response is. For that would rely on my ability to convince, to reason with you. Rather, I want to turn us to God's solution for division and ask the Holy Spirit to apply the Father's words to each of us appropriately, individually, and to all of us collectively. The theme verse, and you can open your Bibles if you have it or use your app. As as Josh explained, we didn't hand out programs today. But the theme verse is found in Romans chapter 12. That's where I'll be teaching from today. At verse 16, and it says, live in harmony with each other. God wants all of us to get along. But better than that, to live in harmony, which is a step further than getting along. To promote unity. Even to live in intimate relationship with each other in the church. Despite the many differences that exist. All of us are different. Each one unique. We have different experiences. And because of different experiences, we have different perspectives and perceptions and even divergent opinions about the same situations or set of facts. All of us differ. We differ regarding race, ethnicity, educational attainments, financial accomplishments. We grew up in different places. Some of you grew up in neighborhoods with fences to keep people from my neighborhood out. I grew up in a, maybe it was middle class, probably closer to lower middle class, working class neighborhood. We all had different parents. Some good, some not good. Some had a single parent. Some grew up in foster care with no parents. And we grew up during different time periods. Television was different. Everything was different. You look at an old television show and you think, how could anyone say that back then? But all of these things cause us to view everything differently. According to our different set of assumptions. According to the truths by which we interpret what we see and hear. 
Everything we encounter is interpreted. Is everybody following me on this? And it's interpreted by the sum total of everything I've just described. The result is that we can interpret the same situations in divergent, even even contrary ways. And we wonder why others don't agree. And if we're not careful, we will impugn other people's motives. Prominent example now is our varied experiences with police officers in our lives cause us to see situations differently. Is that fair? These differences don't have to cause division, but they can and they certainly will if we don't follow God's directives, which are explained, empowered, applied by His Spirit to each one of us individually. And that is what brings us back into harmony. No two people have the same truth. Is that right? Leanne and I can't decide what kind of grill to buy. And so we wonder, how can we, how come we don't see everything just alike? Because we didn't come from the same place. We don't have the same set of assumptions. We don't have the same beliefs and truths. And we can only be harmonized as we're brought closer to Christ. Our increasing diversity in our church is one of the things I think God is most pleased with, and I certainly am, because it looks more like heaven. But I think he's pleased also because he knows well it is not easy. And you know what? We need to commend people who come from a group that is not the most well represented in this church. It takes some courage to step forward. But it isn't easy. It requires effort, self-examination, self-awareness, sensitivity, self-denial, change, growth, and much much prayer. The scripture is is particularly appropriate to us because understand this, after the church began at Pentecost and even at Pentecost, there were people from all over the world essentially and they spoke different languages which means they had different understandings of life. Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. They didn't much like each other. And so that's the power of the gospel when you take two disparate groups and they're brought to unity. 
We heal divisions first by expressing love. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Now this is examination for each of us. Glad to see familiar faces right up close. Do I love people who are outwardly different than me? Now if your response is, well, what difference does that make? That's a good place to be. What about others who disagree with me on points? Do I love them? Or am I wary, even skeptical of people from different backgrounds with different opinions? If so, I haven't learned to see people as God sees them. To love them as he does. Continuing in verse 9. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. I think this is a point where many of us are confused about. Many of us think that if we love someone, then we must accept and approve of everything that person says and does. Every opinion they have must be embraced. But that's not right. See, loving someone, and we've been talking about this for a few years, what does loving someone mean? Is it emotional? Not necessarily. Love means you want what's best for that person. And what's best for every person is becoming the person God designed them to be and wants them to be. So we reject what is wrong in someone's life whom we love according to God's word while embracing what is good in their lives. Here's the risk. Sometimes if you don't take the whole package, you will get rejected. But that's not love because love is always trying to lead somebody to Christ. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. See, love has to be, though, a sincere attitude of the heart, but also the mind. It's not just mere surface behavior. Have you ever had somebody be real nice to you that you knew didn't like you? Anybody? Could you tell? Yeah, you'd rather say, just go ahead and be ugly to me. That's really what you think. This sweet stuff is not who you are, and it's not who I am, and we can't even have an honest conversation. And, and the truth is, people can discern how someone feels toward them. It, it's in the eyes more than it's in the words. It's in the body language. 
more than in what is said. Continue in verse 10. And take delight in honoring each other. Honor means to respect, to esteem. Now here at Brookwood, we don't use the word honor as much as we do use the word dignify. And to us, dignify means to recognize and value what in every person. There's not many of y'all, so I have to talk back louder. Recognize the image of God in every person, every man, every woman. And if we see, and if we really believe, if we have conviction about that matter, that the image of God, every person bears the image of God, then it makes it easier to see and to appreciate and even to encourage the development of the gifts God has placed within that person. Josh has been using the fingerprints of God in his wonderful series on Ruth. And the fingerprints of God are on each person. Some reject it, some obscure it, some hide it. If loving and valuing others is just quite honestly difficult for you, especially the people who are different, You have to understand where it comes from. It's coming from insecurity within. Some feeling of threat, some fear of rejection. So ask God how he feels about you. Ask God if he loves you. Because what's missing, see, in your inability to love is you don't feel loved. And so it begins by understanding you are loved by God, which enables you to love others even when they're not outwardly very lovable. We heal divisions by extending assistance. Verse 11. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, this issue of harmony, you can use the word reconciliation. It can be exhausting. You, you can't be lazy in approaching it. And, and one way that we facilitate this, though, is serving the Lord by loving others, but also we serve the Lord by serving others in practical ways. Sometimes that builds a bridge to someone. You know, during our recess, we've been involved in lots of practical ministry. We've been providing meals, continuing to feed the homeless students that are um, students at Malden High. Delivering groceries and medicines, sending cards, offering prayers, counseling on the phone and online, 
offering financial assistance, engaging in virtual classes, providing support groups, performing some work projects, and making lots of masks. And and we demonstrate compassion in little ways through practical efforts. That may be a first step. Rejoice in our confident hope, verse 12 continues. See, here's the thing. Because of Christ, we don't have to feel hopeless. We can have confident hope that things can change, that mistrust between different races and diverse groups can, with God's help, with our willingness to release some of our own prejudices and accept his view of things, some of that mistrust can be ended. It can be replaced by love and by trust. Be patient in trouble, verse 12 continues. You know, we're in a troubling time. But here's the thing, in this time, What's God teaching you? If we just say, I just want this over with. No. If you're God's child, he's got something for you to learn right now. What's God teaching you? Is it something about justice? Is it something about fairness? Is it something about deep-seated prejudice that I have? Undetected bigotry. What, what is it? What's God want you to learn right now? Romans 8, 28 promises if you belong to him, all things work together for good. So we're patient in this time as God teaches us. But we also need to be patient with each other. Because I'm just going to repeat what I started with. Acknowledging that different past experiences yield different present circumstances which create different perspectives and different responses to situations. Was that confusing? And then he continues in 12, and keep on praying. What's the key to peace in our land? It's Christ. What's the key to reconciliation? It's God's word. See, what we need most is to know God's perspective on this situation. To be indoctrinated by his truth, not the opinions of our favorite celebrities or athletes or influencers. I tried to get one of those jobs as an influencer, but I didn't have anything to influence you about. Unless you want to buy my clothes. Or media personality or news channel or political party or social organization. You know, I think all of us have had an overload of news right now. 
Turn it off for a while. Get off of social media. Spend some time in prayer. Pour yourself into God's word. And let me say this. I can't emphasize this too much. Pray, pray, pray before you post something out of an emotional state. You can break a lot of things and harm a lot of people by being careless in that setting. And the problem is it lives forever. But we have to ask God to do a searching inventory on each of us by his spirit and expose our prejudices and, and conform our personal perspectives and our perceptions to his, to his truth. See, my perception isn't right about everything and neither is yours, but his is. His is. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always eager to practice hospitality, which is aid to someone outside your family or your group. Now, we understand this. Offering assistance is not a relationship. In fact, I think it takes extreme humility for someone to graciously receive assistance. And in the first place, being, you know, humble enough to ask, but then to receive. So assistance isn't a relationship, but it can be used as an opportunity to build a relationship. When we use practical help as a chance to learn someone's life story, it demonstrates genuine concern. It it dignifies the person and it separates them from this incidental matter of their need. And it elevates who they are as a person. That's how a relationship can begin. We heal divisions by exhibiting humility. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now this is really beginning to challenge us, isn't it? Can you see past the ugly, unfair outer actions of someone who mistreats you? To see a soul in need of God. And will you pray? Will you pray for that person even asking God to bless his or her life? And what about praying that God blesses his life, her life, beyond yours? Praying for the blessing of God on someone who has hurt you is a good way to avoid the resentment and the bitterness that will will damage your soul. It'll cause anger. It'll cause discouragement, despair. It can lead to depression, anxiety. And the best way to resolve it is of course forgiveness, but also prayer for God to bless that person. 
Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And what this means in our setting is to enter the experiences and the emotions of others by not only sympathizing. Sympathizing is is feeling compassion or sorrow for someone. But rather, I'm suggesting that empathizing is better. It's not easy. Put yourself in that other person's place. And God may have to help you. You may have to ask God to enable you to feel the emotions of another person. Now here's an example. Try to understand why people protest. Also, why some might become violent. But also, why police officers might sometimes overreact. See, it's bo- it goes both ways. And taking a moment to understand is helpful. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other, which requires listening and understanding because as I've said throughout this message, we are all different, very different. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I'm not satisfied with the translation of the word ordinary because the more literal translation would be people in depressed circumstances. In other words, it would be easy for you to see this person is not my equal. This person is, doesn't have my standing. And this scripture is saying, Mm-mm, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of people who don't seem to be equal to you. Because in Christ, no one is ordinary. And all are created by God. And don't think you know it all. Pride is always divisive. Because by definition, it's, it's comparing constantly. It's self-protective. And it's unteachable. So it inhibits understanding. Humility promotes harmony because humility allows us to say, I don't know everything, and I made a mistake here. And we can ask for insight. We can seek understanding. You know, it requires real vulnerability to admit ignorance. For our church to grow in harmony especially as we become more diverse, we, we, we have to, now listen to this one closely, we must, each one of us, resist becoming offended and defensive toward each other. 
Instead, if someone says something that, that strikes you in a certain way or even triggers you, we must be willing to step forward in faith and talk humbly again, honestly, openly, vulnerably. That's how we make connections. But it requires courage from every one of us. You know, it doesn't require anything of me to hear you say something and me get offended and pull away from you. But it requires a whole lot more to come back into you and say, this is what I heard. Is that what you meant? To dialogue. You know, a good illustration, I think of this years ago. Um, I can't even remember how many years ago. I guess I've been here so long. But I was bringing a message and I referred to a, uh, a black pastor friend of mine as an Afro-American. Now, I grew up in the 70s. And we did have television then. But um, that was a phrase I was used to hearing from, you know, my high school and college years. And I don't know how to, how to did I know the proper term? Did that one just come out of my, you know, my past from being buried in my mind? I don't know. But Melvin Wright, one of our trustees, just approached me very humbly, which is his way. And he said, I know you meant nothing by it. But, but the, the proper term is African-American. And then he said, but I know it can be kind of hard to keep up. It can be confusing. So he didn't presume the worst from me. He presumed the best from me. And yet he educated me gently. And he even said, well, it's kind of understandable. I think we can treat each other that way, don't you? We heal divisions by eliminating revenge. Verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Because that just compounds the evil. It becomes even more out of control. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. That means on whichever side of the you know, situation they're on. And do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Hate never conquers hate. Only love can. So, dear friends, never take revenge. In other words, there's no time to take revenge. It, do, it won't solve the underlying offense. It might ma make matters worse and it often injures innocent people. Now, this isn't saying don't strive for justice. The scripture clearly calls us to, to justice for people and to work for justice. But revenge is something very different. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. Revenge is always wrong because only God is truly just. Only he knows the situation accurately. The what and the why of every action. The motivation of every person. 
So only he can punish in the appropriate amount in the appropriate way. You see, when we take revenge, it's likely out of our personal anger, our rage, our anxiety, our fear that's already existing within us. And so it's not likely attributable to the situation before us or the person we're holding responsible for it. There could have been something wrong said or done, but but some of what we unload has been built in throughout our lives. Verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. When we answer mistreatment, even deliberate mistreatment, with mercy and kindness, it has the chance to cause the person who wronged us to feel shame, to apologize, even to repent. But if we counterattack, that person will feel justified and might even intensify his attacks. And then this section closes with this. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now that includes another person's evil actions inflicted on you. It also includes your evil response. Don't be conquered by either one. See, the good you do in response may change a person's heart. Might lead that person to faith. And if it does, justice and also harmony will result. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would execute your justice, not my justice, not according to my biases and preferences and prejudices, but your truth and your justice but that your justice would be for all and we would be ambassadors of justice. That we would seek to develop harmony with each other. And that we wouldn't seek short-sighted peace which just appears calm because we know peace won't last if there's not justice. So let us, Lord, have the courage to strive toward justice for all. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 so that you can get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. We are so thankful that you listened today. We pray you have a great week.